0: As you just saw, we've been on a series now that we've called the bad boys and the mean girls of the Bible. What I'm so thankful for is that when the Holy Spirit moved on people, men, to pen the scriptures, he told the truth about even the heroes of the Bible, their weaknesses, their flaws, their failures. And so we did talk about Cain, the rebel without a cause. We talked about Delilah. Delilah. The wily seductress. We talked about Samson, the one stuck on stupid. The he man with the she weakness. And today I'm going to talk to you about Jezebel, the original black magic woman. Let me put the verse up here. And um, we're going to read Revelations 2, verse 20, diving right into where Jesus identifies this woman. Now, this is Jesus talking to the church at Thyatira. He is first, kind of praising them for things they've done right, but then he starts with that word you don't want to hear. What's the first word? When he says, nevertheless, you know he's going to uh, chasten you, to correct you, and you're not necessarily going to like what you're about to hear, but it's always for your good. So let's read what it says. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Now that's it. And I'm going to read to you more about her as we get uh, into this message. But let me talk to you about this woman. Because Jezebel is not just a person, but it's a spirit that can get into a church or a ministry or a home. And it can, and it will wreak havoc every time. So let's pray and then we're going to talk about this. Father, we thank you that you put this in the word of God so that we would learn from Jezebel, wicked as she was. And we would learn from this church in Thyatira. Lord, speak to us and open our eyes and ears to see and hear what the Lord would say to the church. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Change me. I receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're not going to leave the same. Amen. So good to see such a good turnout in the middle of red-hot July. And how many of you can say summer has arrived? Now, uh, there are two Jezebels in the Bible. The first one you recognize as the wicked queen Jezebel, who was married to the wicked king Ahab. Ahab Ahab had no business marrying her. He did it contrary to the command of God. You were not to intermarry um, with the pagan world if you were a king of Israel or an Israeli at all, but he did. And boy, he got him a real pagan in Queen Jezebel. She was something else, this Queen Jezebel, because of her, The entire land of Israel was led into the dreadful, awful worship of Baal, where you did terrible things. I can't even go into what some of the things were that were required as a worshiper of this idol, Baal. But Baalism wrecked Israel, brought God's wrath on Israel, corrupted Israel, and and, and Jezebel was the leader of this Baal worship. The very first thing she did when she came into power as queen was to unleash whole-scale persecution against the real prophets of God, having them murdered, having them martyred, and they had to hide in caves to avoid the vicious eye of this woman that wanted to snuff out the word of God from Israel, to replace it with Baalism. Now, I'm speaking prophetically some today. That doesn't mean I'm telling the future. But I want you to understand the way a nation is corrupted. I'm not going political on you. This is very spiritual. Through this woman, Israel lost its way and became engulfed in and ensnared by the worship of a false God that brought with it a whole false ideology a whole false belief system. Israel was totally taken away from the real God by the seduction of this woman. So she had all the prophets of God killed, martyred, attacked, persecuted. It was Jezebel who orchestrated the murder of Naboth, so that she could give to her pouting husband his vineyard. And when they had Naboth, when she had Naboth murdered, that brought the wrath of God ultimately and finally upon this wicked duo, Ahab and Jezebel, and it spelled their doom. Jezebel met a terrible end. The Bible says that a man named Jehu tracked her down to a certain town. She was upstairs in in this one building And Jehu called up to the servants that were inside the room with her and said, throw her out. So they grabbed this wicked queen and threw her out the window. She went crashing down to the ground and died. And the Bible says before they could bury her, the dogs of the city had eaten her body. Everybody say collectively, you're ready? Gross. But that's what happened. And you know what? It was was capital punishment that was just. It was what Elijah had said would happen to her for what they had done. Now, that's the Old Testament Jezebel. And by the way, Ahab and Jezebel were the original codependent couple of the Bible. She ruled the roost, and whatever poor little Ahab wanted, Queen Jezebel got for him because he was too wimpy to do it himself. And that's the truth. Ahab was what no man wants to be, and Jezebel was what... Every man hopes his woman isn't. Now, then we come to the second Jezebel of the Bible. We read about her in the book of Revelation. And there she is. Now, now this is amazing to me because here's Jesus. He's X-raying seven churches in the book of Revelation. He's, he's X-raying them. He is appearing to John on the Isle of Patmos. And he says to John, let me talk to you about seven real churches geographically located churches and tell you what I think about them, good and bad. He comes to the church of Thyatira, and he has x-rayed this church. Now, he starts out saying good things. He, he he praises them. He praises them for good works, for love, for service, for faith, for perseverance. He gives them, hey, the first half of what he had to say, they're thinking, all right. But then he says, Nevertheless. And nevertheless, always when he's addressing the churches precedes a rebuke or a word of correction, and he mentions the name of a woman. And her name is none other than Jezebel. I don't know if that was really her name. I think what the Lord wanted to conjure in the minds of the listeners was that this woman that was planted in this Thyatira church was wicked, was evil. And he knew that to call her Jezebel would conjure the image immediately of the Old Testament Jezebel who was so evil and so wicked. And so Jezebel, he, he, he calls her Jezebel. And Jesus who, who, who shows us in Revelation that he knows exactly what's going on in every church. He, he scans, he x-rays, he 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 looks at and sees straight through every church, that church's motives, that church's beliefs, that church's spiritual temperature. I want you hot, I want you cold, but you're lukewarm, he said to Laodicea, He 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 x rayed them. He knows all about turning point. He knows all about gateway, he knows all about fellowship church, he knows all about every church which ought to humble all of us. Amen? Now, he says to John, let me tell you about this woman that is in this Thyatira church. He, he spotlights three sins that she's committing. First, she's a false prophet. She calls herself a prophetess, claiming to speak for God, but she is anything but a genuine prophet. So he says, she's a false prophet. You, you got a false prophet there, John, in that church. And then, Jesus said she's living in sexual sin. But, 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 Jesus' beef with her seems to be not just that she was living in sexual sin, but she was teaching sexual sin. She's teaching him immorality, and in teaching the immorality right there in the church, she is seducing the Lord's servants into sexual sin. Third, she is encouraging the church to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, it struck me when I read that, that these were the very activities, the very things that the apostles got together in Acts 15 and had a conference, and they decided to tell the, all the local churches what they could and could not be involved in. And you know what they wrote? They said, tell all the churches, they wrote in Acts 15:20 to abstain from things polluted by idols and to abstain from sexual immorality, two of the things Jezebel was actively teaching in the church, the apostles has said, don't do this. Don't be involved in this. This is wrong. So everybody say with me, there is something that is wrong that you cannot make right. Now that's news to some people. Because we're living in a culture that says you can make a wrong right, but I'm going ahead of myself. Now, 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 Jesus said, said, by the time he appeared to John and addressed this, her deadly influence had, had leavened the whole lump, had permeated this church, had infiltrated this church, and corrupted the soul of this church, even though so many things were right. So Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring judgment, and I'm giving you one last warning. Please notice with me, this belief that God only judged things in the Old Testament is not biblical. He judges now. And you know where judgment begins? Judgment begins at the house of God. That ought to humble you. Now, Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do if she and those following her don't repent. Revelations 2, 22 to 23, Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Verse 23, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now, notice, The false prophetess is condemned to sickness, likely leading to death, her children, those who were following her false doctrine, would eventually experience judgment, punishment, and death for following her false gospel. So can you notice with me, we are responsible before God for what we believe, for what we embrace, for what we accept. Because in our day, people just say to Jesus, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was just completely deceived. He said, Jesus would say, wait a minute. I've dealt with you enough for you to know that if you don't repent from this, I'm going I'm to have to judge you because I cannot allow this in my church. Now, you know, when I read that, I go, yikes, wow, ouch. That's a tough word. And it shows me that Jesus is really the head of the church. Okay. Now, keep in mind with me, because I know it's real quiet, and you should have heard the first service, because you couldn't. You could have heard a pin drop on a shag carpet in that first service. But, but remember that, that God put these things in the Word so that we would learn from other people's mistakes, so we wouldn't have to make the same mistakes. So we're going to learn from Jezebel, and we're going to learn from Thyatira. All right? What can we learn from this story tucked away in the book of Revelation? This woman, what is God saying to us? First thing that popped out to me was this. No church is immune to spiritual attack. No church. This church at Thyatira from the outside looking in was strong, it was vibrant, it was growing, it was healthy, probably a mega church, if you had just been on the outside looking in, you would have said, man, these people got it together. Look at that. They, they, are, they are persevering. Jesus said they walked in love. They had faithfully served others in Jesus' name. They had manifested outstanding perseverance in the face of adversity. And they were even more involved in good works when Jesus addresses them right here than they were at the beginning. So if you had been a church growth expert, And you had gone to look at this church, you would have said, wow, they got it going on. They need to write a book about how to do it right. But here's the deal. The enemy had come in through the back door in the person of an attractive, alluring, persuasive, and self-promoting woman named Jezebel. With all this good ministry going on, Jezebel began, I believe, In a very stealth-like one-on-one, not out to the whole crowd, but one-on-one fashion to pull men aside, to feed them a false gospel of God-sanctioned fornication and the worship of idols. She would tell them one-on-one, let me talk to you. Come here, baby, in the name of the Lord. I got a word from God. And men, you know, really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me that when Jesus revealed all this to John, listen, none of the local leadership or membership of Thyatira had caught on to her scheme. Or if they had... They weren't doing a thing about it. I want you to think about it. Satan decided to start attending church at Thyatira by planting a tare right in the middle of them. Remember Jesus said? The wheat grow up with the tares, the tares grow up with the wheat. Until a tare reaches full-grown maturity, you can't tell it's not wheat. So you got a tare right there, a, 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 what we could call a... Uh, uh, Satan's special ops had had been planted there through the back door, stealth like, unseen, undetected, under the radar, and started seducing who Jesus calls His servants only takes one good worm to ruin an apple. If I'm eating an apple, if I see one little worm in there, that apple's gone. It doesn't take a great big army to ruin a church. It takes one special op plant in a work of God that's not detected. Now, I ask myself, what was it that made Jezebel's teaching so toxic that Jesus felt the need to appear to John, and point her out. What, what was it that made her influence and her message so toxic? Let me tell you something. Listen carefully to me. Here is where I am getting a little bit prophetic. That is, I am bringing a word from God that it, that is bigger than just a message about Jezebel. It's about where we are right now as a nation and as a church. I'm going to give you two key warning signs that you're hearing a Jezebel teaching. And it is what is being spoken to our nation. First of all, Jezebel doctrine teaches that something evil can be good. Jezebel doctrine teaches that something evil can be good. Jezebel had convinced people who Jesus called his servants. These were anointed called saints of God. That there were contexts or situations in which something that was normally wrong is right. She had to have done this because that's the only way you're going to seduce servants who know Jesus away from it. You've got to convince them that what is wrong is right. That somehow, some way, what you are proposing is right when normally it's wrong. Oh, folks, this Jezebel teaching is alive and well today. Didn't Isaiah say, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Who put light for darkness and darkness for light. Who put, who put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. Woe to you when you flip-flop and you call evil, good. He said, woe to you. When Jesus says woe to a place or to a person, that's a big deal. It's not good news. This Jezebel had done this very thing. She called evil good. She had convinced them that evil was good. Let me give you some examples of what's coming from our culture and infiltrating the church, getting into the minds of even believers, God's servants. Let me give you some examples. Here's a Jezebel message that's coming straight from our culture. Sexual sin, including homosexual marriage, is okay as long as it's based on love. Here's the false message. Love makes what is normally wrong, right? Of course, you know that's true, don't you? Love is the great sanctifier. Love is the great leveler. Love annuls the word of God. You knew that, didn't you? Oh, well, I'm so glad you're here today. (laughs) Because let me inform you that love makes what would normally be wrong, right? See, that's a Jezebel teaching. Do you, do you see this with me? That's the Jezebel message: that there are situations in which what is normally wrong isn't. And if you love someone, that makes sexual sin right. Love sanctifies sin. See, when the Supreme Court made their ruling a couple of weeks ago about same-sex marriage, all over the the, the country were the, were the headlines: "Love wins." The president of the United States texted that. Love wins. Now, I read that. I went, what what does that mean? Are you telling me and and, and the entire nation, and I'm talking about not just the president, but but this whole message that's out there in the culture, are you telling me that what the Bible calls sexual sin, not just homosexuality, but any kind of sexual sin, what the Bible calls sin is suddenly X'd out and, and negated and annulled because you have affection for somebody. No, but you know how many people in the church believe that's true? Oh, I just love them. We are so in love. You tell me you're living together? Yes, but we love each other and God sees it. You're right. He does see it. But but watch now. Now, I didn't come to meddle, but just let me meddle just for a minute. I've got to expose the culture's lies because this is Jezebel talking to us. This is Jezebel talking to the church. And, and, And when the church hears the word love, we think that's immediately Christian. But see, this is not Bible love we're hearing because Bible love dances with truth. Bible love walks hand in hand with truth. Bible love is Bible love because it agrees also with truth. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Wait a minute, Jesus, I love you, but can't I just go do what I want to do? No, because if you love me, you will also dance with my truth. Now I'm saying this in love. No, I really am. Because, see, I believe that message confused an entire generation of young people who, from the White House down, heard this message, love wins. No, Bible love is the love that wins. But but the love that they say won is not the Bible definition of love. I'll give you one more in a contest between what you feel and what the Bible clearly teaches. Here's the Jezebel message. It's okay to follow your feelings as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. You've heard that one. Well, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else then. But listen, anytime you or I sin, it always affects someone else. But here's the deal. Feelings trump truth. That's the message of the culture. Don't you think Jezebel says something like that to these guys? Hey, we like each other, don't we? Come on. H- hadn't God given you a love for me? And, and, and I have a love for you, and I think it's from him. We are soulmates. i got a soulmate. you got a soulmate? If you're saved, you've got a soulmate. He's the captain of our salvation. He's your soulmate. But, but see, soulmate. The the whole concept of a soulmate has found its way into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That if if you feel like you have found your soulmate, then somehow that annuls the teaching of Scripture if your feelings are leading you into something the Bible forbids. All these are Jezebel messages that seem to be good. They seem right. They sound right. We wish they were right. But there are Jezebel messages, and I want you to notice with me that that Jezebel message brought the judgment of God. I don't know if she and the ones following her did repent. We we don't know. I hope they did. Next thing I see about Jezebel is this. Here's the second Jezebel message. Jezebel's teaching is totally opposed to God's true word. It's totally opposed to God's true word. The Old Testament Jezebel hated Elijah and all the prophets of God because they were bringing the real word of God to the nation. And so she Jezebel that spirit hated the real word of God. Have you noticed that there is a growing hate in America against the word of God? Do you know that for the very first time in 2014 the John 316 sign was 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 uh uh held up during a major league baseball game where the camera would get it when the camera was looking at the batter. Behind it was John three sixteen, like they have done for 30 years. But this time, security came, surrounded the man, and walked him out and shut him down. Let me tell you, church, as Jezebel's spirit increases, the word of God is more and more hated. Because Jezebel hated the word of God. It's a spirit we're dealing with. I've noticed Christians that are bound by Jezebel's doctrine who believe all this gut-rot, I'll call it stinking thinking. Cultural, stinking thinking, or cultural gut-rot, whatever you want to call it, it stinketh. You know, I've noticed they they have little regard for God's word. Those that are caught up in this, in this Jezebel mentality. They'd rather experience God than study God's word. Now I'm all for experiencing God, but you've also got experience junkies. Always chasing after the next Holy Ghost fad, moving through the church. When you talk to them, they're long on experience, but they're short on knowledge of the word. And that is so dangerous. If you're long on experience, but short on your knowledge of the word, you're cruising for a bruising. They usually will have a few charismatic cliches at the ready, but not much else regarding the Bible. And, and, and now watch this. I'm going to tell you about Jezebel. I came to preach up Jesus and preach down the devil. I'm not here to lift up the devil, but I've got to expose what is happening in the church and in our nation. Christians have got to stand up and say, wait a minute, this isn't the truth. Here's the truth. All right, now. Those that are under Jezebel's spell tend to be unmoved by clear biblical proclamations of God's judgment. They poo-poo any such teaching calling it gloom and doom. You ever seen people like this? You can bring a heavy word. You know, God's going to judge us if, 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 if there's no repentance. Oh, don't be gloom and doomy with me. God's just going to bless us. We're all going to get rich together and drive a limousine and we're, we're going to be God's kids. Oh, I'm a God's kid, but you know what? I'm very, very aware that the doctrine of Jezebel is infiltrating parts of the church and certainly our nation. Jezebel's prophets only prophesy good things, peace, prosperity, blessing, good times. And Paul warned against this. Paul, looking down the tunnel of time with a prophetic eye, saw the last days and said this. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure... Then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Jesus warned concerning the last days. Take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming to represent me, claiming to be speaking for me and they will deceive many. Jezebel, you will notice. Never prophesize judgment or consequences for sin. Never It's always unbalanced, unbiblical, and doesn't prepare God's people for tough times. Jezebel's message is a feel-good message. I just want to go to church and feel good. (laughs) I want to leave with Holy Ghost bumps. Because he's all about feel-good, isn't he? No. Here's what you'll never hear Jezebel talk about. Take up your cross and follow Christ. You'll never hear that from Jezebel. I am crucified with Christ. You won't hear that. Or how about suffering for the cause of Christ? You sure won't hear that. You know why? Because her message always focuses on you, your self-esteem, which isn't even a biblical term, your happiness, your fulfillment, your comfort, because after all, didn't Jesus die to make me happy? No. He died to make you holy. I Got it? And let me give you a little key. That the holier you are, the happier you will be. Amen. And holy doesn't mean you're walking around with a halo over your head that, that is like a neon sign. That's not holy. Holy is when you're separated unto Christ and he's first in your life. That's holiness. And, and when you're holy, you're happy. It's when you drift from God, you get miserable. Amen. So the Jezebel spirit hates the genuine word of God. That's why Jesus turned the spotlight on her and on what she was doing to this church. So let me summarize quickly. Jezebel is a spirit that successfully invades a local church or a Christian ministry or an individual's life, gaining entrance by putting on a fake facade of spirituality. Second, a Jezebel teaching aims at making wrong look right. Third, a Jezebel teaching always takes a feel good angle, promoting self over Christ. And fourth, a Jezebel spirit hates the true word of God. You say, oh, Jeff, what's the answer? What is the answer? Let me, let me just hold it up right here. The answer is really knowing the book. Now, I'm opening my wallet, you see. I'm pulling out the only bill I've got. And I am going to show you something. Everybody said to me, you got to know the book. Well, that was 10 of you. Let's try it again. You got to know the book. And the Savior of the book. You got to. Now watch this. The Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed, all of it. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. C.H. Spurgeon said about the Christian and the Word of God, He said, a Christian with his Bible is like David with his sling and stones, fully equipped for the giants. I like that. Now listen carefully to me. Charisma doesn't make somebody right. The size of a congregation or the size of a ministry doesn't make someone right. Being on Christian radio or TV doesn't guarantee someone is right. I read this. It may be a worn-out, cliched illustration, but, boy, it works. Here you go. When federal agents are taught how to spot a counterfeit dollar, right here, this is a five. When they're taught how to spot a counterfeit, they are not shown a bunch of counterfeits. They aren't taking around saying, so now here's what a counterfeit bill, uh, here's one they try to pass. Here's another one they try to pass. I want you to really study these counterfeits. That is not what they're given. They are given the real thing. And they are said, you learn the real thing. You learn the real thing inside out. You get to know the real thing better than you know your own name. I want you to study the real thing. <laughs> and, and when a when a federal agent is taught the real thing, they're taught four things. Here they are real quickly. Touch tilt, look at, and look through. Touch that bill, tilt that bill, look through that bill held up to light, and look at that bill ad nauseum over and over again until you can remember every line, every dot, everything in it. Touch it. I read this. The feel of a counterfeit bill is usually waxy. The only way that you're gonna know that a counterfeit bill is feeling waxy is if you know what the real thing really feels like and you immediately know when you feel, hey, this isn't the real thing because I know what the real thing feels like. So I immediately see this is waxy. This is, there's something not right. This, This one federal agent wrote this. We may not be able to quite describe why it feels wrong. We just know it feels wrong. Okay. Then when the bill is tilted, tilted, Tiny numbers identifying the denomination of the bill will appear in the background that a counterfeit won't have. So they go, then they tilt it. Then they look through it held up to light. They look through it, and there are images that appear while holding it up to light that a counterfeiter can't duplicate. And then they said, then just look at it, just stare at it. And you're going to see certain background patterns that appear that can't be duplicated by the casual counterfeiter. Bottom line is this. An agent becomes so familiar with the real thing, he only has to handle briefly a counterfeit to know it's fake. So let me close with this. we we got to become so familiar with Jesus and his teaching that we instantly say, this feels waxy to me. That feels something wrong with that, that I'm hearing. We gotta know what Jesus really said or didn't say. Who he was, the very incarnate Son of God, irrefutably. Why he came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Whether he was the one and only way to salvation, shutting the door to all others that he promised to literally and bodily return. We gotta know the bill. And we need to know the book. It's God's very word. And, and I just like those four things. we got to hold it. we we, we got to tilt it by examining it. we got to look through its amazing pages. And we've got to look at it regularly. And when we do, we will immediately spot Jezebel trying to deceive.